Welcome to another episode of Grow With The Bros. Today we have Tommy Hawkins, who is a franchisee in Jacksonville, Florida, mm -hmm. who is joining us today. And we're gonna talk a little bit gu about gutters, but we're gonna also talk about this uh, venture, this company he's put together, this concept uh, called Leader Farm, which is really awesome, really exciting. And so, Tommy, welcome. Hey, great to be here. Happy awesome. to be with you. So cool. So I'd love to get a little bit of backstory. Um, we're going to try and probably keep this to maybe five minutes uh, in the intro. I'd love to know how you started, why you started looking for a franchise, why you chose Brothers Gutters, and and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hop off from there. Sure. So um, when we, when the pandemic hit, mm -hmm. um, I had a job where I traveled all the time and I couldn't travel anymore. So I had lots of time and uh, I was frankly bored because um, there was nothing to do. And uh, so I'd been, I, a month after the pandemic started, I ordered a homebrew kit and I started learning to brew beer by myself. And my friend and I had this idea that we wanted to open a brewery and that we wanted to franchise it. Mm -hmm. And that was the, that was the concept for it. So um, anyways, a couple months pass, you know, I'm working away at this and I get a LinkedIn message from this guy, Dave Greenberg, who's, who is my uh, consultant for mm -hmm. finding a franchise. He says, have you ever thought about franchising? And I said, actually, uh, yeah, I've got some questions for you. He's like, well, let's set up a call, you know, and we, we get it coordinated. Now, I just wanted to ask him, how do I start a He's franchise? He's rope-a-doping you. Oh, man, he got me good. <laughs> so uh, we get on the phone call. I'm so excited. I'm prepared. I got, like, all my questions ready to ask him. And then led with, yeah, so I'm interested in franchising because I'm interested in knowing how to start a franchise. And uh, he's like, okay, I'm not the guy to help you with that, but I know some people. He's like, let me ask you a question. Is your net worth over $3 million? And I said, no. He's like, uh, we need- Four billion. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, he goes, is it, is it over the 3 million or whatever the number was? And I said, no. And uh, he goes, well, for what you wanna build, you're going to need to get your net worth up. And the best way to do that is through franchising. And so he sold me. Great. You know, and we had this conversation. <clears throat> I was very skeptical through the whole process. Um, and so, but we started looking, I looked at three different franchises. Um, what attracted me to this one was first of all, the culture mm -hmm. that you guys had created, um, but that it was a single product. And so it would be something that would be scalable that I didn't have to be in the middle of all the time. Mm -hmm. And I could figure out how to install gutters. So if I ran into a problem, at least I could go out in the field. Yep. But for some of the other ones, it was more complicated, more varied, and just not in my skill set. So okay. that's where I started looking for it. But you guys were just starting to blow up yeah. at that time. Like I was like, like right, right in the middle of the rush. So Don uh, Taranelli yeah. is awesome. Um, I just like, I thought I was getting sold by him the whole time and I didn't like it. And I've since confessed my sins to him, <laughs> apologized profusely uh, for being a little difficult to get along with. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, I can't get you in, you know, to do an intro call for three and a half weeks and everybody else, I was able to do it that much day. sooner. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was like, I'm like, it can't be true. He's like, all sorts of people are interested in your territory. I'm like, that can't be true. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard this line before. So 
This is all before I met him. So we, we were going back and forth on the phone and I'm like, I like the guy. I just feel like I'm getting sold by him. Yeah. And Dave thought the whole thing was hilarious. Dave and I are still pals. And uh, he thought it was great. Cause he's like, yeah, I know Don, I know what's happening with this franchise, but I'm not going to tell this guy. Like it's, it's going crazy. So everything was an uphill battle with it. Um, but like I said, mm. you know, Don was incredible. He worked as an advocate for me, Jen as well over yep. there. Uh, Dave was fighting for me. Um, and then you guys were fighting for me. It was, oh, yeah. everybody wanted it to happen and, yeah. and we were able to pull it together. And, you know, really the decision was I wanted to build an asset that could be valuable and I wanted to prove that I could scale a company yeah. um, and be able to pull myself out of it uh, in a short period of time by developing leaders uh, yeah. so that I could launch my leader farm company. Yeah. And so it was uh, the idea. Um, and uh, it was about 13 months and I was able to mostly extract myself and, you know, a couple hours a week now um, that my team, they run That's everything amazing. else. So That's awesome. Appreciate that. One of the things that, uh, so I didn't know all this, right? When, when, you might've told me, but I don't think you did. You know, I just assumed like a lot of people that buy a franchise, you're looking to, to build this up. You want to get or replace your paycheck, you know, like, Hey, I was making X amount in corporate America. If I could get back to my salary within a year, two years, and then possibly more, obviously mm. it, no one's looking to just stay there. That's what a lot of people do, right? They're trying to build this up. And then I think at some point you're we're probably like nine months in you're like, Oh, you know, this was never about me making money from it. I'm like, Stop. Come on. What are we doing? I was like, first, you need to go make some money from it because I want to make sure that when we publish numbers, it's not like asterisks. Tommy doesn't care about money. Right. So I'm like, please don't let it be a loss. Like, take it sure. seriously. Like, no, no, no. And uh, and it was really cool because there, there's been something that's been on my mind and on my heart for like the last six months is the reason to buy and own a business is not necessarily for the paycheck. And I've been learning that through a lot of different meeting a ton of like the, the good thing about blowing up in franchising is you attract all these different types of people. Hmm. You've got people that literally need to make a profit within three months. You have people like, I don't care if I make a profit for three years, I'm building an empire and then investments, all that. But this came about recently. I was talking to a guy who does logging and he's successful and he seems to have money. And he goes, everyone thinks I made my money in logging. He goes, I made it in real estate. Hmm. He's like, but logging helped me. I, I, I got on these cool properties. It helped me get into the know. He found this place on Lake Placid. He bought it for 500 grand, sold it for 2.5 million. Hmm. So, but because of logging, and so I'm thinking of that with brothers at Just Do Gutters or a franchise, some people like you, like, oh, this is really cool. I can do this. I can get it to here. It's going to put me in contact with really cool people for my next idea. And while I don't, I'm sure you don't want to lose money, it's not, it, when you said it wasn't your number one goal, it was like, okay, tell me more. So I'm really curious. Um, and that's like something I'm kind of actually hoping to be able to bring to possibly our conference and said, like, what's the other upside? Like a lot of franchisees, they buy a building, they rent it back to themselves, they sublet it. Like it's amazing that outside of whatever dollars you draw, the bank is willing to give you more money. You're able to, so having a business is way more than just a paycheck. And you seem to know, know that before anybody. So I'm just really curious a little bit in your strategy. And then I really want to talk about Leader Farm. Sure. Um, but that's, that, that kind of really piqued my interest. Yeah. So I think um, I didn't want to be in the middle of the business <clears throat> running it 
and turning it into like owning a job, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, that wasn't the idea. And then Rich, who's my neighbor in Jacksonville, who's been awesome, you know, for me getting started, asked the guy a billion questions. Yeah. Like he's such a great guy. And we laugh about it now, how different our strategies oh, are. Oh, it's, it's like night and day. Right. And he's like, I love it. I work in it. I really enjoy my work. I find it very satisfying. Uh, he's like, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Cause if I ever want to dial it back, you know, now I've got a roadmap to see how the scale works. Um, but for me, I wanted to create a difference in people, uh, in people's lives. So like, you know, I, I immensely value the team members that we have. They, they and their families are more important to me, even than the brothers gutters business that I own, mm-hmm. um, and really being able to value them. But I needed to build an asset to be worth something, not because I intend to sell it, but again, that net worth you question that plan I plan to leverage earlier. it, right? Being yeah. able to leverage it, so really investing in the business, knowing the business is more valuable if it's not dependent on me. Absolutely. So when I've got a team that's able to run it, if somebody comes along and offers me ten million dollars, I'm open to it for what it's yeah. worth. Uh, Did you hear that? <laughs> but uh, but the four hours a week you're putting in, they can easily say. Wait, so your whole team's doing all this and right. this is your revenue and this is your possible growth. They can act, it's not like, well, if Tommy's out, they're all gonna scatter. Right. They're like, they would have already. Right, exactly. That's that's awesome. Um and honestly, um I my my prediction, because there's always the question about exit strategy. Well, if it's running itself and it's profitable, then there's no reason to sell it. Unless like ten million dollars shows up, which yeah, ten million dollars shows up and that's great. Yeah. Um I would probably share that with my key team members. 20 bucks each or um, so? Yeah, yeah, about okay. that. That's great. Um, you know, try to make it a, a positive experience for them. But I can also see them coming to me and saying, hey, we want to buy this from you and have a plan to do it at some point in the future. And I'd be open to it because it's all about creating opportunities for them. So cool. And wanting them to be happy. But the dollars in the sense, like it, it's a huge investment in people uh, financially and emotionally like investing in them. But um, the financial cost to build an organization that can run itself without me needing to be involved um, within 13 months, I, I couldn't have had a priority of making $200,000, no. you know, um, in the same year. Now, You'd have to do everything future, yourself if you did. Right. If that was your priority, then you would be running it completely different. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I want it to make money. It's a more valuable asset if that's the case. It's better for my team. Um, you know, if we're profitable and we can continue to grow and get cooler stuff and, um, better tools and stuff for them. Uh, so all that, like all that's good. And I definitely like the objective is to make money. It's a, it's a business. Um, I just couldn't prioritize it. I needed to prioritize on really creating this opportunity for change, um, and creating an experience that's different. I, there was an article that came out a couple months ago that was talking about the four day work week experiment they're doing Mm -hmm. in England. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was hilarious because my guys are on a four-day work week, basically. We keep Friday in case it rains, you know, one day so that we can catch up on work or if jobs happen to run over. But if everything's done Monday through Thursday, they get paid for the whole week and they get a three-day weekend. Um, and, it, you know, it works really well. It's awesome. And it stays balanced. That's not a common thing to have in the construction industry. So, no. Um, no. like really trying to create it, uh, letting them know that, hey, if you get all your work done and you only work 28 hours, I'm still going to pay you for a full week. I want you to have consistent paychecks so that if you want to buy a house, it's great. it shows that you've got consistency of income. It's awesome. You're able to get there. So, um, 
you know, just all that sort of stuff. Like that was expensive in the beginning, by the way. Like, yeah. We had a handful of jobs. You yeah. Know? There was a week where one of my guys was out with COVID and then like two weeks later, the other guy was out and I only had two guys. Oh my and, gosh. You know, and it's like, I'm like, but I wanted to keep them. I valued them. Yeah. So it was, it, it, it was pretty tight. Now that we've got things running a little, we've got more depth of bench. Yeah. It's field important. super can step in. Um, but you let your vision dictate your strategy, not your cash. Right. Like, and that's a big difference. Some people are so emotionally connected to cash. They can't. They're like, they lose good people because they're like, I, I don't want to pay you for 40 hours. You only work 28. I'm sorry. Right. And boom, that great person, you know, that you like had you spent a couple thousand dollars that month. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, yeah, it's costly. But if you think of the grand scheme of a business that can generate a million, two million, whatever over time, why didn't I pay that couple hundred bucks that week? Why was I that cheap to lose right. somebody? Um so that's really cool. Appreciate you sharing that. And it, it's really cool because I, I maybe other franchisees have some similar goals to you. Um, I just haven't really heard about it in that way. So Leader Farm, was that conceived before you even bought or was that conceived during? It was conceived before I bought um, in concept. It really started to get developed through my experience of being a leader. When I had the idea for Leader Farm, which- So tell us, what is Leader Farm? It's basically, uh, it's a community and a network of anyone that wants to be a leader or anyone that is a leader uh, to be able to grow and develop, find mentors, create paths for um, either consulting work, speaking engagements, mm -hmm. um, any, any sort of thing like that. Uh, getting experience. So for young leaders to like- yep give them an opportunity to be able to speak somewhere to get up in front of people and have like, you know, good people sort of coaching them. So the idea is it's a network to cultivate leadership. Um, and it's, you know, there's, there's a distinction with the people that are involved with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like some just have a lot more experience, but none of them are more valuable than Agreed. any of the other people yeah. that are there. So, um, so that was the idea. So Leader Farm was just this concept of like, I want to create this network that can connect people and give people the opportunity to, to lead. Um, one of the things is it was hard for me to find opportunities to lead. Um, I'd get them, you know, throughout, you know, my 20s and 30s, like people would, you know, give me opportunities, but I wasn't, I didn't have agency over it. So there was like a ceiling or there was a rope for how, how far I was able to go in leading and developing people. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd had this idea of what I wanted to create with Leader Farm. And one of the important things with starting my franchise was I had to put some of the stuff into practice. I had to mm -hmm. have the ability to lead and develop people. Um, so I call my team the guinea pigs and, you know, I get to experiment with them. <clears throat> um, but it was really just a couple months after we opened um, that I had the idea for Luckies, which is leaders of unusual capacity, knowledge, energy, effort, and skill. Um, and with that, that's really like, that was the seed that got planted that really started to yeah. bloom the farm. And, uh, and so it's, it just started at that point. And I started calling people 
and saying, hey, would well, you want to be a part of this? So you and Ryan, or you and Ken, sorry, were uh, one of the first ones um, bouncing ideas off of you, Kevin over there, you know, um, he's been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Brandon and Mario from the Brothers Gutters, like I have a, every other week, we've got a call that we get on and we talk through stuff um, just in the development of it. And, you know, outside of the organization, there's, you know, Kurt and Matt Purvis and, so cool. you know, all these different folks, which is awesome. So it would, but it was really to be able to say, okay, can we, can we start to get this thing to get legs and can we start to be able to develop it? And, um, Ken was what he, one of my favorite things is when I told him about the luckies, he just started dying laughing. I'm on the phone with him and, uh, I'm like, I was like, oh, is it a bad idea, Ken? He's like, no, no, it's just always luck when you're successful, right? <laughs> He's like, I understand why you're doing the play on there. That's and that, that's right. It, you create your own luck when you increase we your capacity joke. knowledge. We didn't make make this up, but it's like, you know, people like look at us now. And I'm like, yeah, it only takes 20 years to become an overnight success. Right, right. right. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> We're super lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so that was it. That was just the, the impetus for it. Um, we've had another one that we came up with was arc. Um, yeah. so that's that leader should be approachable, reproachable and coachable. Yep. Um, and that came because one of my guys came to me and said, Hey, uh, nobody likes calling you cause you're grumpy on the phone. Uh, you know, you're killing the culture that you work so hard to build. You're not being an effective leader. And I just start smiling as he's saying this to me. This <laughs> is the, like, I was so grateful that he was, it was Joe Sines, yeah. that he was so transparent with me. And I realized the way that I was coming to the table was not like, I was sure I was stressed out. I was under a lot of pressure. And so being able to do this and I just started smiling. And so I come back with him to him two days later and say, Josiah, I'm committing to being approachable, reproachable and coachable. And it's called ARC. And he literally so looks cool. at me and goes, we don't need an acronym. We need you to change. <laughs> <laughs> so, so do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, love it. And he was, he was very skeptical of it. Yeah. Right. Cause like I, it, you know, I, I took it to heart. It was, he was yeah. right on point. Most of the guys that are on my team that have not been with us uh, that joined the team after that conversation happened, none of them have ever heard me answer the phone any other way other than, hey, it's a great day. Great to hear from you. And I'm like, and we joke in the meetings. I'm like, you know, Josiah and Kyle and old Alex, Tommy versus new Tommy. They were they remember. And yeah. it wasn't it wasn't all the time. It was just, yeah. lot, you know, no, I hear you. the first summer, of course, it was getting crazy. And, you know, I was losing my mind and pulling my hair out. Um, but that it was coming to them. So then using, again, the same the same environment as the sort of catalyst to create um, uh, ideas of leader farm. It's great. So one of the things that, um, really impresses me about you is, and, and I think you've already hinted on it is no matter how much success somebody has or doesn't have, they're no more valuable. And I have seen that in the way you treat people so clear. And what, what, what I think is so crazy and impressive is no matter what. So if we go to an event and somebody gets up there and they speak and they're writ, wrote written books or starred in movies. Like it automatically just, you just put them in a different league. Hmm. You know, I do in my head. It's like, Oh my gosh, that person. And they're, that's amazing. And they're like, Hey, do you want to go meet him? I'm like, nah, <laughs> not you. <laughs> so literally we have this guy, Charles Scott, who 
has done amazing accomplishments. He's ran across America. He's, you know, all these things. We get him to speak at our conference. And Tommy's like, oh, let me just go get his number and let's see if he wants to be part of Leader Farm. Like no hesitation, <laughs> no nothing. And before you know it, yesterday we're hiking with him. Yeah. It's incredible that you literally, like you're not, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but you're not a respecter of people in this, in the, like a, in the sense of like, oh, I, I, who am I? Right. Right. You're just like, hey, you know, yeah. why don't we do something together? Let's talk. Why don't you be on my podcast? And like, they could have, you know, a best-selling book and you're just don't care. Well, yeah. Or you do care. I do. But how does, how does that, do you get anxious for it or how does that, how do you do that? I think the first like recruitment cycle for Leader Farm was probably the hardest because I had to sell the idea and I had to trade on me. Um, so I had to leverage myself for it. So I call it, you know, you and Ken, mm -hmm. immediate response. Oh, you're putting an event on? We're coming. No idea what it looks like. I think you interrupted me 30 seconds in and said, I want to hear the rest of what you have to say, but I'm in. <laughs> Just know like I'm coming. So you're good. Um, and getting these people and like calling and saying, Hey, would you, and we met in Jacksonville and would you want to come and be a part of this? Is this something that you're interested in? And I talked to a lot of people, uh, they had interest. Some of them just couldn't make it for whatever reason, but, um, it was me. I was, I had to trade on me for that. And I would say that that was the hardest thing. Uh, what's easy for me now when I go out and talk about leader farm is I don't, you know, it's not, I don't. I don't, well, I, I would say that I am a respecter of people in that yeah. I think what other people bring to the table is so immensely valuable that I'm happy to get out of the way. Yeah. So when I go and I talk to Charles and I'm like, hey, hey, you should be in Leader Farm. You should be a part of Leader Farm. Listen to the types of characters that we have. We got a guy that owns a brewery. We've got a guy that's an exceptional uh, leader and developer of college students. That's Rao. Um, we got Kevin, who's a beast. Uh, you know, all these wonderful people with these amazing abilities. And to be able to say, hey, this is the... Like, look how great these people are. Mm. You would love to be a part of a conversation with them. And to me, that's what I love about it. Like leader farm recruiting now is fun because I got this core group of people that have said, I believe in what we're doing here and that it's meaningful and valuable. And I like, it's not about me. It's really not. Um, yeah. It's about saying, I value people so much. Can, how can I help create opportunities? How can I connect uh, the individuals to one another, because, you know, the best thing about having friends is when your friends get along with those friends. That's cool. Yeah. In Leader Farm, you have this whole concept called the right room. Yeah. Uh, love to hear a little bit about that. So you always hear these stories of like, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. we, you know, we're leading with the negative of, you know, it's the wrong place to be. Uh, the idea for the first leader farm event where, you know, we had nine of us <laughs> gather together in a room. It was this idea of the right room mm -hmm. that came to mind because I wanted to create the right room. Yeah. And we had everybody come together. You guys all spoke for about 20 minutes. Um, you guys peppered me with questions about leader farm. I don't know if you remember that, but it was a very exhausting hour where you guys were just, you know, rapid fire these questions at me, but then everybody else had to get up and speak. And the thing that was awesome was watching 
like nine guys that really didn't know each other. We'd had dinner one night before um, together, really get to know one another at a like deep and uh, deep Pretty, level. Almost instantly vulnerable. It was strange. Yeah. Normally it takes time. Right. Yeah. And being able to collapse that into a, you know, a very small amount of time and everyone became friends. Mm-hmm. Like everybody gets along out of there. I'm sure you're all looking forward to it. The hike we did yesterday with Charles, that was a very similar experience, right? Like we were, that was, awesome. we were that was different. It. I'm like, I'm blown away by what that was. It was way like, it wasn't an intense hike, but it was an intense conversation. And there was a lot of depth that was going on. He brought so much value, but we created the right room on that mountain as well. Yeah. Where people could open up and have, you know, just good, meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know that that's how it was going to all wind up, but I, you're all top caliber people. So uh, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and so what we're working on now, and Kevin and I have been uh, working on this concept is, well, what if, what if the right room is, you know, just a, like, it can be localized, you know, mm-hmm. it can be something where, yeah, anybody can create the right room and just having yeah. know, a handful of people. And I think what it is, is that you're not there because you're the founder of Brothers Gutters. No, that's not the reason. It's a great part of your story and who you are, but you have so much character. You know, you're so valuable as a person. The way that you think about people, the way you talk, the way people talk about you that say, you know, Mario joined the team of Brothers Gutters because he's been waiting for the day that you're not in a good mood. <laughs> I should do that to one day. Just uh, come in there and give just him throw closure. Stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, like there's all these like great qualities about you. And so, sure, uh, from a business sense, um, you're more advanced than some of the people that were in that room. But you still had so much to learn from other people from their experiences and the value that they brought that we aren't looking at something as binary. So I don't know who the most intelligent person in that room was. Um, There's probably a couple. Yeah, probably Kurt. Yeah. But he had so many other things to learn from people, mm-hmm. you know, in those conversations as well that, you know, nobody felt out of place and there was no. That was cool. Ceiling. And so, you know, it's not that you evolve out of those rooms necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody could go off and start their own right room with more people if they wanted to. The writer to. room? The writer room. Okay. Um, with a W. <laughs> uh, but being able to have that right room concept is, Love it. we don't have to look for another room. We've got this great brain trust here. We've got an open door where people can come in and be participant in it. But you really can't outgrow a room. So there's such thing as a wrong room. Oh, yeah. There's lots of wrong rooms. Um, what would a wrong room look like? I really struggle with neg- negativity mm-hmm. um, and people being negative around me. Yep. Um, I don't like being a part of conversations where all we're talking about is like, what's wrong. It's not that people don't have the right to vent. It's not that I won't, you know, be empathetic to a situation. Um, something's not going right. Sure. I want to hear about it, but I don't want to hear about it for, you know, hours at a time. Mm. Um, I have a great example. One of, one of my guys called me, um, and they said, you know, they were having a really rough day and they were, you know, complaining about what's going on. And I, I always give people like, you know, as much runway as they need for it. So they could talk for 20 minutes and I don't say anything. Wow. Um, and, I just go, and then I say, okay, is there anything else? 
And then if there's more then sure, they can, they can keep going. Usually people like burn themselves out with yeah. it. And then um, I'll ask, you know, okay, so do we have a solution here? Or do you need some help coming up with something? I'm happy to help. So this particular instance, we go through, we talk about it. We talk about how to resolve it. And then he goes right back into the negative stuff that we'd already talked about. And I said, we've already had this discussion. And he goes, yeah, but I just, I, I want to keep complaining, you know? And he knew he was being kind of ridiculous in this moment. And he's like, but I kind of want to keep complaining. And I said, okay, that sounds good. What I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to take my phone and put it in my pocket. And I'm going to turn the volume down. Um, and you just talk into the phone for as long as you like. But when the call is done, just hang up because I'm not listening to this again. <laughs> Did he just take you up on it or you said, all right, I'm done. He just like started laughing. And he's That's like, great. He's like, no, you're right. But yeah. So here's, here's the wrong room. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if people are constantly looking at the negative side, yeah. what's, you know, what's wrong with an idea, not being able to see the possibility in it. Um, I don't want people to be, um, you know, overly optimistic and not think of any consequence, you yeah. know, like, but I expect people to be like rational thinkers that they can measure yeah. it. It's okay. But what are we talking about here? Mm. Do we need to cut, do we need to cut the idea down right away? So to me, the wrong room is um, if you're in a group of people where everyone's complaining all the time, it's yeah. about, Hey, this is how awful and difficult my situation is. And that's like, that is the content of the room, we get together to whine about things or complain about things. Yeah. I, I, I can't be there. Yeah. And, it's, and I don't, I don't tolerate it with anyone. Like yeah. I'm, I'll, I want to listen to people. I want to hear their hardship. I, it's valuable to do that and to be a support for them. But, you know, if you show up every Friday, you know, we go out for coffee, you know, Friday afternoons and every day you tell me about how much of a pain in the neck Kevin is. He'll be my mm-hmm. example. And I'm like, yeah, why do you work for Kevin, Ryan? Like, you've got time to make a change. I don't want to spend the next 18 months having coffee with you on Fridays when all you're do- doing is complaining about Kevin. There's nothing to complain about Kevin, which is why he's a good example. No, there is. Like, he's so good at stuff. It's so That's annoying. true. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in that same vein, uh, so that's that's a high level, like, right room, okay. wrong room that we have there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you said, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. If all of a sudden, like all the questions are like, well, hey, Ryan, you've done that before. It's like, no, it's a peer group. Like, right. it's not like, what do you do? Like, so if if you start feeling like you're maybe the number one resource, maybe it's time to get out. Yeah. Or so. Um, well, and I think that that's part of it, right? That's why as this is structured, where it's the value of the individual mm. and wanting to develop as leaders. Yes. Right? Um, like that's the objective, but it's, that's a moving target. Yeah, it is. So, um, like I think BNI is tremendous and mm-hmm. Vistage is, you know, you've said to me that I probably need to get a part, you know, be a part of that at some point in the future. Um, cause it would be great. Um, and so, you know, there's these different organizations that exist and they have this, this function and this purpose that is like, there's a ceiling to it. In reality, it's just there. And yeah. frankly, like with BNI, it's better for you to leave that room and create a seat for your team members 
to be a part of that. Absolutely. And so, um, you know, and so I've got a ton of respect for. No, and, and I think it is. It's about riding it out. Don't don't quit. Don't not get the value. Mm-hmm. But get, like and that's a it was a book called The Science of Getting Rich. Really cool book. And it says always give more in value than you receive in cash. And I've always internalized that. It's like so if I pay to be part of an organization, mm-hmm. I still will give you paid to be in Brothers Gutters. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're like, yeah, Ryan, I'll run a webinar. Sure. I'll validate. Like, so yeah. you, even though I'm not saying, oh, you're not saying, hey, and by the way, how much you're going to give me? It's like, no, you're, even though you paid to be part of an organization, you're willing to give back in value. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're listening to this and you're wondering if you're in the right room or, you know, if you're just taking, like, get out of all the rooms. Sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I, you know, there's just people that take, they're like, oh, that wasn't good. Or they don't participate. It's like, no, like give like, and that's like, I think what's really cool about leader farm is it's you're facilitating this really cool environment for people that have all different skills and interests and businesses. We're giving, but then when we sit down and the next person gives, we receive. Right. And I believe that is the key. And I think that's one of the keys that you've facilitated is Charles Scott was not holding back. He gets paid to do consulting. I know. He could have easily said, hey, Ryan, I love that question. Why don't we talk this week? He yeah. just gave, freely gave, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I think that is one of the biggest qualities I've seen in most lucky leaders and all that. They just give. Part of the reason that I think it, it works and that the right room, like to leader from, there's not a right and wrong room. You, know, mm-hmm. you wouldn't necessarily evolve out of the room. I can't see that. You could sit in any of the rooms. You know, if you're in Colorado and you want to sit in, you know, Kurt's uh, right room meeting because you happen to be in town that day, you drop in, you fit in and everything's great. But part of the reason is, is so the definition of a leader um, or, like, or what are the three functions? And I've mm-hmm. talked about this quite a bit. It's they need to be able to make decisions. Yeah. You don't have to make all the decisions. Um, but you, there's decisions that if you're in a leadership position, you have a responsibility to make. You can't pass it off on somebody else. Um, so making decisions is critical and making, you know, and being good at that. Uh, then the next uh, function is to increase capacity. Mm. And and this is why I think that, you know, it's you can't really evolve out of these rooms. And the reason is, is that um, as leaders, we uh, we're increasing capacity for ourselves. So how can we do our things more efficiently? How can we replace ourselves? Yeah. Right. All these conversations. But then uh, for the people that I lead, right, for my team, how can I increase capacity for them? How can I like clear some runway for them to Mm -hmm. let them thrive? And then also for the people that um, that lead me, um, how can I help to increase capacity for them? So one of the things we talked about yesterday was the things that you want to do and that you don't want to do in consulting with people. Right. And, in, yeah. you know, and doing speaking engagements and you've got some parameters and I know you're, you're working on whittling down that list. One of the ways that I can help increase your capacity to be, you know, more efficient at that is say, well, there's things leader farm can take on for you, Ryan, that you don't need to worry about. You don't need to spend your time doing these things. Right. Yeah. So, but it's going, you know, up and down and across that we want to increase capacity. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge thing for leaders. But you could do that in any position. Like if I, if I get an entry-level position at Brothers Gutters, I don't know, you know, what that would be, but, um, you know. Probably like president. <laughs> 
Executive vice president. Yeah. That's higher, right? Executive to the name. vice president. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> um, uh, You're welcome. I, you don't even remember where you were. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, if I started, you know, if I worked at McDonald's, yeah. Right. And I'm, and I'm there and I'm flipping hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, great job. I think great opportunity, mm-hmm. um, you know, for people to develop through that organization. Yeah. Like there really is great opportunity. Well, the way that I can move up there is by increasing capacity That's it. for my managers. Hey, this is a great guy to have around because he makes my life easier. Right. So that idea of constantly working to increase capacity is the I way to develop. So, and then the, the third thing is then to create opportunity. Yep. And when our, when we're driven to create opportunities, I want to create opportunity for you. This goes back to, our, again, our conversation yesterday. I think you have so much value to give and there's such an audience that needs to hear your voice mm-hmm. um, that I think that there's, you know, I can help to create that opportunity and say, you know, this is, this is how this would look. This is how I could take it off. Um, creating opportunity for myself. Um, by figuring out how to run my business on three to five hours a week. Yep. Right. So I've got opportunity to go and start coming up with leader farm stuff. Yeah. And then for the people that I lead to create opportunities uh, for them. And I would say that in one sense, you know, the conversation that started with Kevin was I asked him to come and film leader farm. Yeah. The first event. And I said, but I want you to speak like you're, you're in the room because you have so much value to bring. And he goes, you know, he was totally on board. Um, but that idea of creating opportunity, working it. on this podcast together that, you know, that he and I have started is it's creating opportunity. It's, I hope it's valuable. He's met some awesome people through the conversations that we've had um, that frankly, he probably would not have mm-hmm. run into and be in a small room to be able to talk to them. So Quentin Harris is one. Quentin's producer, Charlie, is another one. Hanging out with Charles Scott all day. That was awesome. You know, and then all of us are just like, how is Kevin so awesome? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, through the through the whole experience. But like, that's that's exactly part of it. So Love taking it. those those three things, if everyone's focused on that's the definition of a leader, you know, and we want to be luckies, I don't understand how you, you would ever grow out of the room. You, I love what you just said, because... If everyone is trying to become better leader, create more opportunity for others, there, there's no way you could ever outgrow that room. The right. only time I think you would is like if you're the only one that's making changes and people are just in it because it's like, no, nah, I don't care if my business ever grows. No, I'll never have more than two employees. No, nah, yeah. I don't read books. No, right. It's like, yeah, you're probably in the wrong room if all you're trying to do is become better. Right. Very cool. So I, I have one last question. Uh, This is probably the most important question I'm going to ask you today. This morning, you got a tiny cup of espresso. Yes. Um, And then it's gone in like four minutes. I like to drink my coffee for like two hours. Is it just as satisfying to have a tiny little (laughs) cup of coffee as it is to just continue to just sip that and feel comfortable and cozy for like hours? There's nothing wrong with that process. Uh, my issue with it is, is that when I drank normal coffee, I like every piece of clothing I owned had coffee stains on it. (laughs) I'm not joking. So you're limiting the, the spill factor by having little tiny cups of coffee. Yeah. So I, uh, we were in France (laughs) 
and uh, I'm drinking an espresso one day and I'm like, this is genius. It is statistically far less possible that any of this will land on my clothes because there's so much less liquid, but I can drink it quickly and then it's gone. I don't have to carry it around. I don't ever burn my mouth on it because there's not enough liquid for it to stay hot. And so there's all these benefits to it. It's amazing. And so- Very efficient. Yeah, I think. So I was there with Dominique and we had, we went to England. Oh no, we went to Spain after that uh, to visit her brother. We'd visited my sister earlier on. And so we're sitting in Spain and I'm looking up how to make the best espresso in your house, which I've got a hand press that I utilize for it. Of course you do. Because uh, it was the least expensive option. It's good. Uh, so it was a good reason to get the best quality, lowest cost was, was the objective. I have a friend that owns a coffee shop and he came down and saw it and he said, uh, your coffee's great, but the process is horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me making coffee in our French press. My, my uh, uh, stepdad was like, come on, like, what, what is this? You got to grind the beans. You put the thing in. He goes, he was, I just want to hit a button, press a button yeah. and the coffee pops up. So that was, that was a hundred percent. The, the issue is that I just happened to spill. I'm glad myself. we really uh, covered um, this today. And I, I got to tell you, it is very satisfying. Um, the other thing is, is that if I'm tired, as long as it's before like seven o'clock, just grab an espresso quickly and, you know, off to the races. If it's after seven o'clock, I'll never get to sleep. But okay, um, so it's just a really convenient way to stop, have a coffee quickly, not spill on myself, make sure that my clothes stay clean. That's so. great. So the last thing I want to ask or you ha asked, have you do, you, you no, that it. was the most important. And now I'm going to ask something else. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, real quick, value proposition or why would somebody want to if you're calling up somebody and saying, hey, I really want you to be part of Leader Farm. Um, why Leader Farm? What are they getting? You know, what, what's, what's in it for them? Oh, sure. The biggest thing is, is that, um, you know, you could be, uh, you could have your own public speaking and consulting business sure. on your own and be a part of Leader Farm. Like we don't, it doesn't cost to join. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the events might cost money for us to put on. Mm -hmm. um, if you wanna hire coaches, you know, you're able to do that through there, but there's also, you know, just the, the network of people. Um, we eventually wanna get to the point where we're able to publish books through there, um, you know, and, you know, publish content. Um, that's all part of the concept of sort of where this thing's going to, um, but it's, you know, there's no membership fee. You know, you just have to identify as one of the luckies um, to be a part of it. And, you know, we're, you know, we don't, we don't care who you are. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to come and be a part of it, we do, you know, say, if you're going to be one of the luckies, you got to commit to increasing your capacity, knowledge, energy, effort, and skill to be a better leader. Um, but the idea is, is that, hey, you can come and be a part of this. It's not exclusive. It doesn't preclude you from doing anything with, you know, any other organizations. Um, but it's just a great network and community that you can be a part of. Um, so I think that's that's why people are into it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you know, the caliber of people that you get introductions to. Um, so which I think is great. Very um, cool. People ask me all the time. Uh, actually, Kevin's a great example. So we did the event in January and he came down and uh, he's his on Monday company that he's started up. 
he's working with two of the guys and there were like nine of us there. And so two of the guys are working with Kevin um, on what he's trying to do. Uh, I know Kurt's, you know, interacting with Mm -hmm. everybody. Um, But it's really just like different. It's just a community that sort of connected people and said, hey, yeah, these this is somebody that I want to work with. This is somebody I want to do business with. So the reason to join is you want to become a better leader. You want to be connected to great people um, and you want to come to fun events. And that's pretty much it. And Love there's it. opportunities to make money through Leader Farm. Um, but, you know, if you've got a thriving business, there's no reason for Leader Farm to <laughs> take a cut of what you're doing. Yeah. It's already working. It's just if there's something that we can do to help facilitate what you're trying to accomplish. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, Thank you, Tommy. Thanks for being part of uh, the, the podcast today, but also for being an awesome uh, Brothers Gutters franchisee, friend, mentor, connector of people. Um, we are better uh, by having you. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks. That means a lot.